0: Okay, this study is going to be um, on regarding an awesome miracle and my mom's conversion and passing. That I, I, I've been meaning to get to this for a long time, and uh, I'm just going to combine these two, uh, basically praise reports into one. Uh, I don't know if you call it a teaching, it's more of a testimony. And so let's just kind of get started here. There's a listener I have. Her name's Jeannie, and uh, she's emailed me quite a bit. And um, she had told me in one of her recent emails that her daughter had passed away um, suddenly. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things where I just had a ton of compassion. Um, you know, not to say I would only have it for her, but I just had this this unbelievable compassion the Lord put in my heart for this family. And all I can say it's of the Lord because, you know, he's the only one that can really do that, I believe. And she had been. We've been emailing back and forth. And she lost her daughter very suddenly. She was she was handicapped and and had a lot of severe physical disabilities. And they had basically you know taken care of her her whole life. And um, I just thought it was just so wonderful. You, you have a family here that has uh, a daughter with serious serious physical disabilities. And you know you don't see any complaining or I mean it's just amazing. You know you just don't see a lot of that anymore in today's day and age. And um, just had this this compassion. And I've been emailing her back and forth. And she said, uh, I got an email from her. It said, dear brother, sister, and uh, Scott, and sister in Christ, Taylor, I want to share this song with both of you. When Francis went to be with Jesus, her name was Francis. When Francis went to be with Jesus, this song was put in my heart, but I could not sing it for crying. Well, I finally got through it, and I pray it shines the promise of Jesus our Savior. Now I'm reading this to you because this is going to come up later. This miracle that I that I was part of, and so I just I'm going to go ahead and uh, pray, play um some of the song here. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and play this, and it, it has a little picture of 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 her little girl when she was younger, and because um, I'll give you the link that you can go to as well, and you'll hear. I think she's got it on like an echo thing because you kind of hear her voice a little, almost like twice there. So that's what you're hearing there. But um, I'm just going to play some of this for you. And then it says, oh, here, at the very start of the video, I didn't even see this till now. It says, for Brother Dave, we have his promise, love in Jesus. And this is a bright pink background. I didn't even notice this until now, which is yet more astounding on the whole Miracle thing that I'm going to explain to you pretty soon. And uh, this thing about the promise is another thing that she included in the first. So anyway, I'm going to roll this, and it'll make more sense later. And in the video, it shows a picture of Jeannie in the background, like in an in a, in a understated way. Um, and then in the foreground, you see a picture of her little girl when she was younger, you know, and and me having a little, me having a daughter, it's, I have, I don't know, I'm, I I admit, I'm a little bit partial to little girls, I I admit it, because I've never had a son, okay, I'm not saying I don't like little boys, I'm just saying I'm, I can't help it, you know, it's just one of those things about me, but, um, anyway... and say So that was the, uh, I can't watch that without crying. I just, I can't do it. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's go a little bit further here. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to be able to get through this without crying. Anyway, it says, um, after I got that, I emailed her back and I said, um, Jeannie, what I'm about to tell you will amaze you. Daughter, in to hear the song you were singing below, and I told her about the email exchanges I've had with you Uh, and the love and compassion the Lord has put in my heart for your family. Well, at the same time, I was minimizing some things on my computer, and my background uh, computer screensaver came up, which is a panoramic view of mountains, of the mountains, and a river, probably somewhere in the United States as the sun is going down over the mountains, well, as the screensaver came up, all of a sudden, there were big rays of sunshine that were coming down at an angle, and none of this had ever been there before, ever. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a sunset, but the rays are like coming toward you. This was rays coming down, and they were big, I mean, it was, and they were coming down at an angle. It wasn't some computer anomaly and it said, I, meant I had never seen it on my screensaver. My daughter said, wow, where did those come from? They were really beautiful. And she was right there when this happened. <clears throat> we looked at each other, and I said, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. I told her about um, every time I've had an email correspondence with you, I end up crying, and this doesn't surprise me. Well, as I went to type you this email, Taylor looked at your text above, Which is the first uh, uh, the email she sent me, where she sent me the link, and I got this all in a PDF that will be associated with this teaching. You can go look at this, the actual verbiage, to understand what I'm talking about if you really want to see it. And um, uh, she looked at the text of your original email that you had just sent me, um, which made it all the more a miracle. When I went back to the screensaver, the rays were gone. Now, why I say that is in the original text of the email she sent me. I'll just read it to you again. I want to share this song with you both. When Francis went to be with Jesus, this was the song that was put in my heart. But I, yeah, I could not sing it for crying. I I can't even listen to it for crying. (laughs) So. I, I I can see I just have a hard time singing. I can't even listen to it without crying. And then it says, "Well, finally, I got through it, and I pray it shines the promise of Jesus, our Savior." Now, the promise—that part's gonna—we already told you that the very lead-in to the song says, you know, the promise, you know, and, I, and it was—it's in the exact color, pink, that I highlighted. As well, it's in this pink color. Now that'll come up as well. I mean, there's so many confirmations on this; it's just unbelievable. But I pray it shines the promise of Jesus, our Savior, the song. Okay, so I'm looking at this. I've got all these rays coming down on my screensaver, and and it it, now it's 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 confirming this shining, this promise of Jesus Christ, and they're coming down like they're coming down from heaven. And then we look at her video and it has the promise, you know, um, and let me just go back to that. Now that now that I, I bring that up, I don't want I don't want to leave, leave anything out of this. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Um, hold on, let me just see here. I want to For Brother Dave, we have his promise, love in Jesus. And and it's in the exact color pink. I ultimately highlighted this in. Which, turns out, is her favorite color as well. Um, her daughter's. It was her daughter's favorite color. Which is another thing that makes it all the more a miracle. Okay, And now, so I emailed that to her. And I said, when I went back to the screensaver, the rays were gone. It wasn't like something that... that I mean, it was like... It was never there. And then I've got these big, bold rays on my screensaver. And then I go... I I, I go back to my email to type her, and then I go back, and it's gone. So it was an absolute total, it was an absolute total miracle, okay? It it was something I've never, ever seen before. And I wasn't expecting any of this. I mean, I'm like, oh my word, this this is unbelievable. Well, then I said, okay, God bless you, Scott. And then she emails me back. Um, Praise the Lord God. Praise the Lord God, Almighty Jesus Christ. We have been crying here and praising Jesus, then laughing, then crying. Thank you, Brother Scott and Precious Taylor, for sharing this touch of the Lord with us and confirming to us so beautifully that Francis is safe in the arms of Jesus. I know you, I don't know why we deserve this. That's exactly how I felt <laughs> when I, I mean, just like being part of this. I'm like, I don't deserve this. But then it said, she says, um, we feel so very humble that the Lord would show you and tailor something so beautiful that would mean everything to us. And I had no idea, really, I hadn't put two and two together. I hadn't put anything together. I'm just thinking, oh my, this is amazing. And then it says, thank you, Lord, I do not have the words for what you both saw together, the beautiful sun rays, the Lord turning up like that. Well, there are no words, but I just praise Jesus Christ for it. That the highlighted, that you highlight, see, I highlighted the words in pink that I had written, um, and the promise... Was highlighted too was just sent our hearts soaring because I highlighted the fact of the shining and the promise in her original email. Well, that sent their hearts soaring because if you remember in the letter I wrote you previously to Sister Vivian the day of Francis's funeral, the Lord had taken me. Now Vivian, her her sister Vivian, she had wrote her letter. The day that her her daughter over her day, the day of her daughter 's funeral, the Lord had taken me to King David and him losing his baby son, and the promise that he would see his son again was in his very soul. that was what the Lord gave me that promise. Okay. Remember when when David said, "I will," uh, he will not come to me, but I will go to him. When his son had died, when he prayed and fasted and wept all those days, he says, "I." He will not come to me, meaning his son's not going to come to him anymore. But David will go to him, meaning David, when he gets to heaven, he's going to go to his son, his baby that had died. Okay, so that was the promise. Okay, and that's when I I highlighted the promise in pink as well, and um. Uh, that he would see his son again was in his very soul. That is what the Lord gave me, the promise. And you highlighted the promise in pink, Francis's favorite color, and that was the very color that was at the start of their video as well that I just said, when it talked about the promise. And on the day of Francis's funeral, it was a glorious, shiny day, and it had been raining the day before, and it rained the day after. Yet on her funeral, it was a glorious, shining day. And that was like what I saw on my screensaver. This, these, these big sunray bands that were coming down. It was gorgeous. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I mean, I, I would have liked to have just kept my screensaver that way. But it wasn't meant to be. I think God wanted to show me that it was a miracle. That it wasn't just some aberration that where my computer got messed up and it's just going to be permanently embedded on my computer. This way was more impactful. The Lord knows how to, to, to give maximum impact. And I would have to say this is maximum impact, this whole story. And then he goes on to say she goes on to say, I copied a couple of pieces of the letter I wrote to remind you below. I'm gonna read you those parts of the letter. We have seen we seem to be making each other cry with our emails, Brother Scott, but tears of the love of Christ. We thank you for your love and we thank you, the Lord Jesus Christ, for you in our lives. You have blessed us more than you'll ever know. We love you and Taylor so very much all. God bless them. Jeannie, Mark, and John. And then, uh, this is parts of the letter that she was talking about. Uh, When Francis was slowly slipping away, her daughter, we praised the Lord Jesus for everything he had done. We praised him and gave him all the glory. Man, what an awesome attitude. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. We held Francis' hands as Jesus took Francis home in the most beautiful, gentle way that makes me catch my breath every time I think of how God loved her so much. I picked up my Bible the day after I read where I had left off regarding David, and I could feel the pain and sorrow of King David so bad that it made my heart ache as I knew how he was feeling to have lost a child. Then I saw King David, who knew God, knew he would see his son again. I felt the joy of the Lord fill my heart as I knew Jesus was giving that promise to me. Uh... And to me, John and Mark, I will see my child again. And she was she was an adult when she passed away and and she was saved. And evidently she liked listening to my teachings. She'd sit there and chuckle and stuff about my jokes and stuff. But um Anyway, so I thought that was cool. <laughs> Not only did the Lord move to give Francis the most glorious place for her body to be buried in this particular cemetery, I had never seen this place before, but the Lord put it in and remember, it's a conversation years ago, when I heard someone say that this place is where they would want to be buried because of how beautiful it is. And again, my screensaver, it's a real beautiful, uh, majestic, mountainous thing, you know, so it kind of coincides with that as well, if you think about it. Um, and um, how beautiful it is when we drove in the tr- when we drove in the trees all around looking down over Edinburgh, the peace that came over me was so gentle, like the Lord soothing my soul and showing how perfect he is and how much he loved Francis. As the sun shone down on this perfect day, Jesus gave her. That's is this is the original letter she sent me before any of this ever happened. As the sun shone down on this perfect day Jesus gave her. (laughs) That'll get you fired up your woods wet. That's enough to make a Presbyterian run the aisles. Sorry. Anyway, uh, (laughs) and then then she goes on to say she loved the color pink. And that was in this original letter. I I didn't remember that. I mean, you know, I, I have to go through, I can't tell you how many emails every day. But she loved the color pink, chocolate cake, and the Waltons. (laughs) Uh, And then love when we would sing to Jesus lying beside her and tell her how precious she was to God. So that was, and then praise your holy name, uh, Jesus. And then I replied back to her. I said, Jeannie, this is the first time for me. I have never had anything like this happen in my whole life. I should share this with my listeners, but I would not want to do so without getting your permission. God bless you. And then she re- emails me back. She says, when your email came in, Brother Scott, I thought about your listeners. And if there was just one out there grieving for the loss of a child and falls to their knees praising Jesus with hope. <laughs> oh, boy. And <laughs> the Lord's promise, that would make my heart burst with joy. Please share anything you wish. All glory to Jesus Christ. We love you, Brother Scott and Sister Taylor. Praise Jesus. Please pray. Protection, when you tell this, Satan will hate this. Showing the glory of our Lord. Amen. You cannot believe how I've been fought lately. Trying with my emails. Trying to get these teachings up. I mean, it's been unbelievable. Um, Jeannie, Mark, and John. So... Anyway, I wanted to share that with you. Kind of, I thought it was appropriate to share that at the same time. I've been waiting a long time to give this testimony regarding my mom. And I, I know it's not going to be as fresh as when it first happened. Um, but, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll do it some justice. Um, but, yeah, I, I wanted you to hear that. I thought that that was really awesome. And we serve an awesome God. And, and um, it was just miraculous, the whole thing totally miraculous from from start start to finish the whole thing it was just amazing so i just praise the lord for it. and god bless them and um, i pray the lord jesus christ heal their their hearts and, and and i think he's already probably went a long way to doing that uh, uh, with all the things that have happened in things but it is hard it's very hard grieving the loss of a loved one and um, you know i lost my mom and dad both of them essentially in the last i guess you'd say year and a half a little, almost approaching almost approaching two years well, I can't, that's amazing with my dad because it just seemed like it happened yesterday but um, uh, I've lost uh, them both in the last two years, they were both unsaved virtually almost up until the time they passed away Although my mom did get saved before that and uh, I already gave my dad's testimony on that, it's called my dad's recent passing um, you should be able to find it on contendingfortruth.com and how he got saved, and, um, I'll just kind of skip ahead a little bit, um, after my parents, um, lost their, uh, lost their, well, they had been in a a fight for 10 years to get their business back, they, they made a, a fan called way cool, portable evaporative cooling fans, my dad was the inventor, he was a very, very smart man, and, um, he was in the inventor, he was the manufacturer, he was an excellent businessman, and uh, what had happened is, is he had sold his company to a very unscrupulous person, but one of the largest um, fan companies out there. And evidently, they just it was their policy to just steal companies. They just would get a contract with you, move your company away, and then they had 50 attorneys, and they're like, just go ahead and try to fight us because we're not going to pay you another dime. Well, they, they spent about 10 years of their life trying to get this company back or trying to get compensated for it. And it never was to be. And, um, my dad had passed away. And I led him to the Lord, um, basically really on his deathbed about eight or nine hours before he died. And I received a lot of confirmation that that was the case. And I'll, I'll mention that here. And then afterward, my mom had to abruptly leave. They were actually being evicted that week from their house of 25 years. They found out that same week that there was no more remedies for them to try to get their company back. Um... And that same week, my dad had a massive heart attack and essentially died. I think it was—I think it was it for my dad. He, he just—that was it. You know, ten years of fighting this. He's a fighter, uh, but you know, he hadn't taken care of himself. He was—he was eating candy like crazy. I mean, and, and candy will will cause. He already had diabetes, and he wasn't looking after that. And I tried to do a lot of things naturally with him, but he was doing way too much to undo what I was trying to do. Plus, he had not taken EDTA. The oral chelation I was trying to give him to keep his arteries clear. And what the plaquing does is it, it elevates your triglyceride levels and um, the sugar does, and it'll plaque you up like just about nothing else. you know. And a lot of times people don't think of candy doing that or, or, or carbo- tons of carbohydrates, but that's what happens when you have really high blood sugar. You get plaqued up. And he was 100% plaqued up in two arteries and 98% in the, in the last. I have no idea how he was even functioning. But um, led him to the Lord in his deathbed. And that same week, my mom had to undergo this massive, massive move out of her, her house of 25 years, this monstrosity of the house they lived in. And the whole neighborhood were, were, you know, and I, at that point I was with my mom because, uh, you know, I was basically kind of taking care of my parents from a, from a, um, health standpoint. Now, granted, they weren't like, you know, bedridden or anything like that. And they were fully functioning, but, uh, I was kind of like their doctor, you know, I mean, it was all damage control, though, because the stress was also a big factor on what ultimately ended up happening to them. And uh, um, had to move out of there, moved into a, a rental house uh, not too far away, which was probably about a third of the size of the house that she'd been in. And it was a very, very, very humbling experience for my mom. And, you know, she lost my dad, she lost her house, they lost their business. Basically all in the same week. They all found out that all that, there was no more remedies. So, it was maximum shock value. One of the cats had just died. I mean, it was just, it was horrific. So, we moved into this other house, and um, we, were, we were trying to, uh, you know, make ends meet and these, these types of things. And um, uh, <clears throat> my mom, at one point, had asked me why God was letting all this happen. Yeah, to her, you know, and, um, or and, and even to, to me because I was part of it, you know. Uh, and I wrote her this letter to kind of try, see the thing was with my mom, and the thing this is a, I think a good example, my mom and dad weren't somebody you would want to try to go up to and just start quoting Bible verses to them. There's different ways you can witness to different people. And I grew up, when I grew up, it was like if a Mormon or a Christian or a Jehovah Witness came to the front door. Well, my dad would greet them at the door, and would they'd hear every form of cuss word on the planet, and he would literally chase them off the property. So I was never really, knowing that there were people like my dad out there, I was really never big on trying to, he said, don't shove that stuff down my throat. You know what I mean? So I had to be... Pretty gentle in the way I would approach somebody like either my dad or my mom, because my mom was about just as disdainful. She was like a jaded Catholic. Now in the new age, she'd been into yoga for a lot of years and stuff like that. So I believe it took my God stripping my dad of every single possible thing he had, including at the end his life, in order for him to have any possibility of getting saved. He was a very proud man. Very, you know, He'd always been very self-sufficient. And and he had been stripped of everything, his business, his house, he knew, I mean, it was all over with. And um, I wrote her this letter, and I, I tried to do it in a gentle way as to not, you know, anger her or drive her away. And again, it's different for every situation, you know, when you're dealing with people. But I wrote her, I said, Mom, you asked me the other day why God was letting all this happen to you. While I can't speak on God's behalf, I can give you my assessment of the events that have happened, particularly since my dad's since and, since and before Dad's passing. I don't want to argue with you, so, uh, with you, so I am putting my thoughts on paper, and if you do not want to discuss this, that is fine, as I am not trying to indoctrinate you into my way of thinking, but I believe this information is very important. Many things I can see clearly now, whereas before Dad's passing, I did not see God's plan regarding the situation. Dad lived a life where he was angry at God. I know this as he told me so. He said, what kind of God would let a wonderful person like, her name was, they, they called her Grandma Truck. That was her, her kind of her nickname. I think that was her name, die in the horrific manner she died in. Uh, now, let me explain to you about that. My dad had this grandma, and um, she was evidently a, a Seventh-day Adventist, and she um, was a very, very wonderfully nice lady. Uh, evidently, my dad said that she was the sweetest lady he ever knew in his life. It was his grandma. Um, and um, evidently what had happened, they lived up in Ohio, which is where I'm originally from, and they, um, uh, she had this event happen where it was, I guess, during, I'm assuming during winter, and they had, uh, at the time, in the older houses, I'm sure they still have them, they're called registers, whereas the heat came out from the floor as opposed to coming out from the ceiling. And she had a couch there, and I guess that a lot of times they had the registers would come out right near the wall. She had a couch, and evidently, somehow, she fell down between the couch and the wall, and the register was there. And I guess the, the heat coming out was just, I, I guess, I don't know... Really, really incredibly hot. And she fell down right over her private female part. And it burned her alive from the from the outside in. And it was evidently a horrific, horrific death. And ever since then, my dad was like, that was his excuse to say, what kind of God would do this? And I don't want anything to do with God if that's the God that would do this to this sweet woman. So... This is one of the reasons my dad was almost unwitnessable. You, you, I mean, I, I don't care if you think you're the whatever. This man, you couldn't witness to him. Okay? And there are people like that where, and he was also, yeah, he had the worst temper of anybody I've ever seen in my life. I mean, when, when my dad would go psychopath, you, you I cannot tell you how many fistfights I've seen that man in. When he was growing up, he told me that it was his goal to get in at least one fist fight per week. I mean, he was in more fights than anybody I had ever, and he never, I, I've talked to his friends, as far as I know, he never lost a fight in his whole life. When he would get in his psychopathic mode, um, you, I mean, you you think you've seen rage. Well, I, I put my dad my dad, against about anybody as far as just flat out rage like you've never ever seen. And I grew up with that. You know, I grew up with that. I grew up with that what, you know, what happened with there. And I mean, you know, there were times where he almost killed me on several different occasions. Um and, you know, he there's a few times what he would what he would do if if he would go into his most unbelievable, severe rages, is is, um, one time I bought the wrong kind of M&M's, and this is a true story, I bought the wrong kind of M&M's, and he wanted peanut, and I bought um, plain M&M's, and we got into the house, and he threw the bag down, and he busted it all over the ground, and he took me in into, uh, I think it was the guest bedroom, and he got me on the floor, and he was smothering me, with a pillow on top of my head, and I mean, when you get smothered, I don't know if, there's not a lot of people that have ever had that happen, but I mean, he smothered me to the point where, you know, when you pee and poop yourself, that's called the Riddick reaction, I learned about it when I was studying to be a doctor, and you're, you're, you're basically uh, about right at the point of death, I mean, you're, you're, you're just, I, I was, I don't know how close I was to death, but it was that bad, and he did that to me on several occasions, and I'll tell you what you you want to know about fear. You get you get somebody you get you go through something like that, you know. And that's how I grew up. You know, I'm not saying it was every night, and I'm not sitting here feeling sorry for myself. But I'm just telling you that's the kind of rage. So he wasn't the kind of guy that you were going to go up to and um, intimidate or push around or throw a lot of Bible verses at him. It wasn't it wasn't the type of guy that would you'd want to do that with. And um, That wasn't the way you're going to have to reach him. God had to humble him and take everything away from him, and I totally forgive him. I mean, God's given me this compassion where I was able to to absolutely totally forgive him. Don't walk around wringing my fists about my dad and all my childhood or whatever. You know, I praise the Lord I got saved. (laughs) You know, that's what I'm happy about. I got saved because with with the upbringing I had. With with as psychopathic as, as he was, with my mom totally being immersed in New Age, with both of them being totally jaded toward any type of religion, with, you know, my dad always had a stack of Playboys everywhere, I mean, the, the rock music always going on. I mean, it, it was like secular as you could possibly imagine. That was how I grew up. So, um, you know, I praise the Lord Jesus Christ I, I, that I got saved because... The uh, odds weren't really that great if you looked at me from on the surface for for that to happen. But anyway, he was he grew up his whole life, and I think this was a polarizing event in his life. And I said, I know this as he told me so. I uh, he said, what kind of guy would let a per- wonderful person like Grandma Truck die in this horrific manner she died in? And I said in the letter, I said I don't have all the answers, but I know this event greatly angered. Uh, dad towards God. Dad strived for much of his life to attain certain things and goals. He was very independent. He never relied on God for anything that I was ever aware of. I believe in this type of situation, God had to humble dad. You see the last 10 years of his life, of him battling to get his company back, um, uh, um, that this white family stole from him. That was the last name of the family that stole the company. It started... it um, it started with his brain tumor because right after it was really weird when he got the company stolen from him, the the business that he had, all of a sudden one day we go to work and there's all this voodoo on the side of the building. Now I'm not saying I believe they're high-level Luciferians. They're the fifth richest family in Minnesota, but I believe they're high-level Luciferians. And um, I don't know whether what type of witchcraft they were doing, but from that moment on, my parents had nothing but problems and grief in their life. And my dad fought him tooth and nail, and he was an absolute thorn in this guy's side the whole ten years. Nobody ever battled that guy like my dad, because he was a fighter. And the thing about it is, is I think that if there was any type of, of person that would want to retaliate via witchcraft, and I believe he was a Luciferian, it was this family. I don't know if that had anything to do with the voodoo that was on the side of their... Of their building, but once that happened with the voodoo, my dad got this. Um, all of a sudden, he had this massive brain tumor that showed up out of nowhere, and it was it was an it was a benign brain tumor, but it was um, it was putting so much pressure on his brain. It was literally the size of your fist. Can you imagine? I mean, there's not a lot of room in the uh, cranial vault area, which is what it would be referred to as. And it, he had this really, really risky brain surgery, and, and it was a success. But that happened at the same time he had just found out his company got stolen, and then not too long after that, he had this acute appendicitis that almost killed him as well. So he had just one thing after another, and he's finding out, and this this reality is, is, and he got really bad legal representation off the bat, and he's coming to the conclusion, you know, I'm not going to get this company back, and I I worked all these years, I patented this product, I developed it, it's a great product, and it really was, it's an awesome product. You would see my dad's fans on the sidelines of NFL football games, and the Gators had them, Tennessee Titans had them, Tennessee Vols had them, uh, Miami Dolphins had them, Miami Hurricanes had them, they were like, now you see the old, they, they've all reverted back to the old ones, because my dad, once this guy took over the company, he just ran the product into the ground. It's Just like he wanted it, just so he could run it into the ground. One of the best products ever made in the portable evaporative cooling industry. And it could have really helped a lot of people. I mean, the thing was amazing. If you you were working in front of one of these fans, you could be in 95 degree heat. And if you were in any kind of proximity to one of these fans, you would be cool. I mean, and it made a big difference with productivity and a lot of different things in the workplace. It was a very good thing. It wasn't an evil product, I guess is the point I'm trying to make, you know. So anyway... I'm um, going back to the letter here. Uh, you see, the last 10 years of his life, he was um, trying to get his company back. The, the white stole from him, it started with his brain tumor, and then the appendicitis, both of which he could have died from. He also had numerous blood sugar issues. He also had a stroke on at least one occasion. I think actually more than one. There were many strokes, but still, he had some damage. I put him on a protocol, and he recovered really quick. But these are humbling things coupled with the fact that no matter... Uh, what he did, he could not win any court case against the whites due to the extreme corruption of the court system. They, they bought off all the, the judges. Not only did they have 50 attorneys, they bought off all the judges. It got so bad at the very end, they actually flew a federal judge for hire down just to, to where we lived in Fort Myers, just to rule against my dad's case. That's how bad the whites didn't want to pay, and it was, I think it was a matter of satanic principle for them. That is how bad, they probably spent millions of dollars just making sure my dad and my parents never got paid for their company. Because it was a matter of satanic principle for them. They literally flew a federal judge down to rule against my dad's company. Because he had such a compelling case at that point. Um, Let's go further. So um, I'm trying to find myself here. Uh, the night before the end of his life, he essentially finds out then that he's never going to win any court case against the whites. They found out they had no more legal remedy. Okay, uh, they had He had a man, a very, very high level person named John Corforth, um, in his last ditch attempt to gain a court victory. In other words, it was finally over after 10 years of fighting. He also finds out in the same time frame that he will never be able to keep his house of twenty five plus years into which he has put tons of money. I mean, every time they got money, they always had to like expand or do some addition on the house or renovate or what. I mean, they put at least three hundred fifty grand, if not way, way more, into that house. And in, in the end, they just ended up giving it away. It was worth it, it, when when the real estate boom was going on, the house was appraised at a million dollars when they ultimately ended up turning it over to foreclosure. I don't I think they maybe got like ninety grand for it. I mean it was just like unbelievable. And um it was it was a show house. I mean it could have been in Better Homes and Garden. I mean they spent so much money making this thing the way it was and it was kind of keeping up with the Joneses stuff. Um, so then he learns that he's not going to be able to keep his house of 25 plus years into which he had put tons of money into. Not only in the mortgage payments, but also in the massive upgrades that they put in over the years. At the same time, he's having all kinds of chest pains. This was like a three-day period before he died, which we found out later were substantial heart attacks. So all of these events I just mentioned just happened to occur at the same time frame, and then also during a very stressful move, which he was forced into by an impending eviction, because they were being evicted from their house. Then early on Monday morning, Dad finally succumbs to the massive placking of his arteries and the accumulated stress of everything that I have just described. He had been stripped of all the major material possessions of his life, and now he's facing losing his life. At the same time, I sent out an email to hundreds of my listeners uh and have everyone to have everyone pray for my dad. I told them he was in a semi comatose state. I told I had at least two people reply and tell me that I need to go to the hospital and pray for him, which I was planning on doing anyway. The one man told me he was in a full coma. I believe he was like from Tahiti or something. He was in a full coma for weeks, but he could hear what people were saying to him. He believed God opened his ears, and it was during this time that someone actually witnessed to him while he was in a full coma, and he became a Christian while in a coma. Now, that's from one of my listeners. And I got that email the same morning. I needed to have some... Kind of a kick in the pants from God, I think, you know? And that was just one of the things that did it. Uh, Okay, now this was not his opinion, but what he knew to be fact. Because he was the one that got saved. In a coma. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know? (laughs) That's awesome. And then, okay, so let's go further. This was not his opinion, but what he knew to be fact. I really only got one chance to pray with Dad during a very narrow window of time that I believe God had arranged, in which all the nurses had left the room for a two to three... Now, so you have to understand, my dad's one-day hospital bill, get this, no surgeries were done. None. No helicopter was called. It was an ambulance to the hospital and there. He's on life support. Yes, he has every machine I've ever seen hooked up to him. He's got a full staff of nurses. 85 grand. $85,000. $85,000. And he was in there for basically a day. No, actually not even a day. Yeah, that's that's our modern day cost-effective medical system. $85,000. And my mom's essentially broke at this point. And I don't have the money to even think about possibly paying even a fraction of that. And that, that's what happened. Um, and she had, he had all these nurses, okay? And it was crazy, because when I got there, all of a sudden, it was like they all left the room for like three minutes. And I hadn't seen that happen, and I'd been there, you know, like the night before and there, and I mean, you know, this guy, hes he's going downhill. He's not going uphill. He's going into organ failure at this point. Things aren't looking good. I mean, when I got there, there was there was maybe a small, tiny sliver that he might, might turn around, but it wasn't looking good at all. And and I knew that, and that was one of the things I, I told him as I witnessed him. I said, you know, and I don't exactly remember what I said, to be quite honest with you. I think it was, I just prayed that the Holy Spirit would speak through me, you know. I don't really remember what I said very much. I know I presented him a clear presentation of the gospel, and I probably also reiterated him the fact that Dad, you know, there's a very strong possibility that you're going to die. And I, and I mean, I don't want to be the bear of bad tidings, but it's going to happen very soon. You're going into organ failure, this type of thing. So, uh, I mean, I wanted to get his attention. And yes, he was in a semi-comatose state, but I also had all this other stuff coming in telling me, go witness to him. And so, um, <clears throat> uh, so I had this two to three minute opportunity to witness to him, you know. And then right when I was done, the nurse came back in the room. So there was another you know, it was like a confirmation from God as well. I also believe that God let Dad hear me and I received and again he was like in like a semi comatose state, so it wasn't like he was in a full coma here. Okay, so uh, I also believe that God let Dad hear me, and I received confirmation of this by other listeners that had emailed me and, uh, as well. And I, I believe that even when my mom had went in there as well, um, she had been talking to him, and he squeezed her finger. So that was another thing I don't think I ever mentioned before. I believe, as a result, Dad became a Christian. I believe that God had to strip everything from Dad, most of which I had already mentioned but including his health and his life for dad to finally humble himself and yield to God. Again, it was the only probably scenario on the planet whereby which my dad was going to be saved was the exact scenario that presented itself and I had that two to three minute opportunity of window which probably didn't occur in the whole almost 23 hours that he was in there. And I just happened to be there right then well, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe I'm gonna see my dad in heaven. So let's go further. Uh, God God had to strip my dad of everything. Um, and then looking back on his passing, I believe that this was the only way Dad would ever become a Christian. I personally prayed with both Grandma and Grandpa Johnson, my my uh, my my dad's uh, mom and dad. Before they passed away, in the same way I prayed with dad, and I believe I will see them in heaven as a result as well. Okay, so they were they were saved as well. Not because I saved them as I can't save anyone, but because Jesus Christ saved them. I essentially gave them the biblical information outlined in this little track that I included with this letter. So I gave her a track with the letter. It is not complicated, but it's very simplistic, but incredibly important. Now, flashing forward some months later, you had those strange events unfold regarding the picture on Dad's memorial service announcement. Now, again, this is stuff I've never shared with any of you. Okay, I figured, you know, we're talking about miracles today. Well, here's another miracle. This is pretty heavy duty, what I'm getting ready to tell you. Um, this was after my mom asked me this, okay, about why did this all happen, and then this event happened at our rental house, okay, I'm going to tell you the scenario, and I also explain it here, probably do both. I come in one day, and there's this family, um, uh, this couple from, I think it was my mom's Cousin or something they had flown out I believe from Arizona to see my mom my mom had a lot of really nice friends I don't know if any of them and were born and say born again and saved Christians of course Linda was her one friend but I don't know if anybody had actually tried to witness to her at that point most of her friends were were new age okay this was I believe her cousin from like Arizona or something anyway I come in the door and they're sitting there at this table and she's they're kind of freaked out, and they're like, you're not going to believe what just happened. I'm like, what? And they're like, we're sitting here, and all of a sudden, they're sitting at this glass table, the dining table, and they hear this little ting, and something had fallen out of the sky. Something had fallen out of the thin air, essentially, and this man that was there at the couple, the the her cousin's husband, had this silver cross, you ever see the cross pen sets? They've got like the pencil and the, and, the, and the pens. It was like popular when I was growing up. They're real nice pens, okay? They've got like the gold version and the silver version. They're called a cross pen. It's the actual name of it. C-R-O-S-S, okay? He had a silver cross pen, I believe in his left pocket. From what I can recall, from what I can look back and see, all of a sudden something fell out of thin air and hit this cross pen. And you know how you, like you'll put it on the outside of your pocket, so there's like the, the pen and then the little thin clip thing. Well, it hit somewhere on the pen and it made this ting. And whatever tinged off the pen went on the floor. Okay, so they're all like looking around and they're like, "What was that?" And they look down on the ground. And there's this silver cross laying on the ground. Okay, I, I just for argument's sake, I went and got this cross. I've got this cross. I keep it in my organizer. Um, and it's a cross. I'm looking at it right now. It's like a little ornate kind of cross, and it's um, uh, it's not a crucifix. Okay, it's a cross, and and, it, and it's got a little hole in it. It was It looks like it would be on a would go on a necklace. I don't know if it's actually. It's a silver color. I don't know if it's actually silver. But anyway, this cross falls out of mid-air and hits this guy's silver cross pen. A silver cross hitting a silver cross pen. Out of thin air. Okay? Now, the reason I say that is because I looked above where he was sitting And there was, okay, there's a light, a big light over the table, a chandelier light they had hung up there. No way it came from that, okay? It wasn't even, that wasn't even um, over him or, or close to him, okay? The only other thing that there was is there was an air vent that was literally diagonal away from him. And if it came out of the air vent, it would have had to have been blown out at such a force, diagonally, and it would have had to have literally went over his head onto his, Onto his, it was, The trajectory would have been, there's no way, unless it was like a boomerang or something. In other words, this thing fell out of thin air. And, I mean, they were sitting in the same positions. It had just happened, evidently, before I had walked in. Okay, And they were all pretty freaked out over it. Now, in the same time, my mom, during the memorial service for my dad, had made pictures of my dad. Which I ended up doing the exact same. It was kind of surreal because it was a picture of my dad and it was like advertising his memorial. Okay. And in this particular picture, water had gotten on it and it looked like there was a tear coming out of the corner of his left eye. Um, and it kind of freaked my mom out because it looked like my dad was crying in the picture. And like I said, it was surreal because, you know, literally just about a year later, I'm doing the same exact thing. I'm doing my mom's picture where we had the memorial service at the same place, uh, at this pavilion place. And I'm doing my mom's picture and, you know, it was just, it was surreal. But, um, so let me me read this to you now because you kind of know the scenario. So now, flash-forwarding some months later, you have those strange events unfolding. This is me talking to my mom, unfolding, regarding the picture on Dad's memorial service announcement, which what looked to be a tear in his eye, and at the same time, you have this little silver cross fall out of thin air and hit this man's silver cross pen. So, you have Dad's picture, with what appears to be a tear in his eye, behind you. Now, his picture was behind them, or right there on the table. No, I think it was behind, no. No, it was on the table. I think it was right on the table. Because, yeah, there was nothing behind that. Uh, anyway, the picture was right there when the silver cross fell out of the sky. Or out of, out of thin air, okay? And so you have Dad's picture with what appears to be a tear in his eye and at the same time you have a silver cross pen hitting the man's silver cross, or a silver cross falling out, hitting the man's silver um, cross pen. Silver... Is synonymous in Scripture with redemption. The cross is obviously representative of Jesus Christ's suffering sufferings to pay the sin debt of all mankind so that we may so that we could be saved and enter into heaven. I believe after having several months to think and pray about this, that God is trying to communicate these points to you that I have just mentioned. I believe Dad is in heaven and the tear in his eye is regarding his sadness and longing for you to get saved, like he was, so that you could. Um, so that you can be together in heaven. Okay, now that's what that's what I believe God convicted me about. I'm not saying that you know everybody's up in heaven balling. I'm saying that even if even if my dad wasn't, because I, I again I'm not in heaven. I can't say that I'm like you know knowing exactly what's going on up there. But if nothing else, that picture having that tear in my dad's eye, I would believe would be representative of that. Okay, so um, God and Dad. Uh, and longing for you to get saved like he was, so you can both go to heaven, God and dad are trying to point you to the cross, which is your only hope of eternal redemption. okay remember it was a silver cross silvers silvers the 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 um symbolic of redemption he's trying to point him to the cross it this this we've got a we've got a silver cross falling out of midair hitting a silver cross pen. I mean come on. Ha! This is a true story. As God is my witness, this is a true story. And Taylor witnessed it all too. So, God and Dad are trying to point you to the cross, which is your only hope of eternal redemption and reconciliation to God. The silver pen and the cross only reinforce this point. I can see no other interpretation from a biblical standpoint. Because I didn't just give her some snap decision. I prayed about this. Okay, Lord, what are you trying to And then it became real obvious to me. After I'd prayed about this psalm and, and thought about it some, and then it all started to be real super clear to me what was going on. Taylor and I love you and want us all to be together in heaven. Please see this track, and if you want to know more, I've done a whole teaching on this subject, and I gave her the link to my audio. Because my mom wasn't really good at face-to-face stuff anyway. I I would rather approach her, and in some people, you approach them in this manner. Because if you approach them face-to-face, they feel cornered, you know, or they become argumentative. That's what my mom would have done. She would have become argumentative. I didn't want to argue, you know. I mean, you can't. The thing I like about writing letters sometimes is you can't argue with a piece of paper. You can, but it doesn't matter. So you're you're trying to get your point across here. So. Okay, so then that happens, okay? Then, um, you know, then we have more tragedy. Taylor's cat dies, Lizzie. I mean, oh, we love that cat. I, I just, I've never been devastated from the loss of a pet like that cat. I don't know if it's whether because then my mom, she had cancer. She got, uh, they found out that what ended up happening, she was. Ha- she had been having all this uterine pain. And um, what ended up happening is, she'd been having this for years, and they told her it was fibroids, and in, I think it was like November, I guess it would be November of last year, about a year to this day, she was going in for surgery to get these uterine fibroids finally removed and get rid of all this pain. She was actually going to get a hysterectomy because they said that's the only thing that's going to help you. Well, my mom didn't want to do it, but she was sick and tired of being in pain. She'd been in pain for years, and when they went in, Because they hadn't done the proper diagnostics prior to this, because my mom didn't have a lot of money to to do a lot of the proper diagnostics, but I also blame it on them because they should have done the proper diagnostics before they went in there. Well, they opened her up and she's just full of cancer, just full of cancer. I mean, really bad form of cancer too, adenosarcoma, and very very aggressive. They they couldn't even hardly cut through what they. I mean, and and the guy doing the surgery wasn't a cancer doctor, so he closed her back up. And this devil, from what I can understand, closed her back up and he was all, he was just infuriated. I don't know whether the fact that he misdiagnosed it or whether, you know, he couldn't do the surgery or what. But he never even came in her, her room after the surgery to even, uh, consult with her or anything. The guy just opened her up. Never even came in there to, 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 uh, offer, um, his, not condolences, because it wasn't like at that point, it was a, but it was pretty bad. But, you know, n- nothing, no nothing, never saw the guy again ever. Okay? And, um, so they're like, okay, well, you know, we need to refer you immediately to an oncologist. And at that point, you know, I've had cancer patients I've helped over the years. i had a lot of people that reversed cancer through clinical nutrition. Um, and I praise the Lord for that. But I have found that it is getting harder and harder and harder and harder to treat because they're introducing more and more different various and sundry ways to kill us. So there's so many different angles they're trying to kill us. If you're not covering all the angles, it's almost impossible. And my mom was pretty far gone at that point because that type of cancer loves to spread to the liver and the lungs. And when they finally ended up doing a... uh, I don't know, probably a CAT scan or whatever they did. They It had gotten into her liver and her lungs, and it hadn't got to her brain yet, but I put her on the most massive protocol I have ever put anyone on in my life. I had her on like 50 things. I pulled out every stop I could pull out regarding treating cancer, okay? I mean, I I did it. I bought the nutrients for her. I put them in different bags. I said, you take these three times a day. I was juicing wheatgrass for I was doing... Not everything I could possibly think to do. Well, then one day, um, uh, we find out that I, I'm, I'm in there, uh, I'm, I'm on the couch or whatever, and I hear her say, Scott, Scott, she's real freaked out. She just had a massive stroke. She, the problem is she had had tachycardia along with all this, which is a fancy word for rapid heartbeat. I mean, it was really bad. And that was the one thing I just couldn't seem to help. I couldn't get her heart rate down. And I don't know whether it was her body's just reaction to knowing what was going on deep down. My mom was a very nervous person anyway. It was, I believe, referred to as morbid tachycardia. And she had a stroke. It'd be like running your your engine at a very, very high RPM. Eventually, you're going to blow a gasket. Well, she did. And I had had her on this protocol, this cancer protocol, and I think she was improving, even though the doctor said it was basically hopeless. Um, but she... I had put her on this protocol, and I really believed it appeared she was getting better. But she had this stroke, and I mean, I go in there, and she's just like writhing around on the bed. She can't move hardly either. She, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, she had... It definitely affected one side more than the other. Uh, was it her left side? I think it was her left side. She couldn't do anything with her left side. Her right side, she had a little bit, but nothing on the left. She couldn't walk. She couldn't get, and I had, I picked her up. I tried to get her into the bathroom. I mean, I mean it's like, I'm a really strong guy, but I'll tell you what, you try to lift somebody up and they're like dead weight, it's tough. And um, I put her back on the bed and I said, mom, listen. I've done everything I can do for you at this point. I've taken care of you and dad for years regarding the nutritional end of it, regarding trying to counsel you on this and that. I got you on the most massive protocol I've ever had on anybody. Now you have a stroke. Now it's it's probably going to turn into a bigger medical issue. I said, you can't even get to the bathroom now. I said, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Um, I said you need to settle this with God now you need to get saved now I said you I said there's no guarantee you're gonna live tonight till tonight I said look what happened to dad he was gone uh, within less than a day when all that happened when he had that massive heart attack I said you better you, you need to settle this now and I wasn't messing around and she was scared she was and you know what that's what it took that's what it took from God again, he had to strip every single thing from her in order for her to finally get to that point where she could say, because after I gave her that letter in that track, she received that letter in that track, okay, that I sent her. She was, and I was glad, but she says, I'm just not quite ready yet. Okay. Well, so then God said, and I'm praying about this and Taylor's praying about it. And so God's like, okay, well then here's what we're going to have to do, Jan. We're going to have to take your life. Maybe you'll be ready then. And she was. She was finally, finally ready. I gave her a clear presentation of the gospel right there. We prayed the prayer. I mean, we we prayed together. You know, and I know it's not some rote prayer you're praying. And it's just, voila, you're saved. But she understood at that point what was going on. She understood the concept of salvation. She was open to it. Okay, I believe she had read the track. And, and at that point, you know... um. She got saved. I really believe she got saved. But it was crazy. Because remember I had that window of opportunity with my dad, that two to three minute window? Well, my mom was loosened. She was coherent. During, right after the stroke happened. She was like talking to you and I right now. We could have a normal conversation. Granted, she couldn't move a lot of her body. And she she wasn't, she didn't have that going at all. Her physical faculties. But her mind was fine. Okay? It wasn't more than probably an hour after that. I called her friend Connie because uh, she's like a, uh, she was at hospice, she's a hospice nurse, and I wanted her to get her opinion on it, because my mom didn't want to go to the hospital and stuff, and, and I 'm not wild about that either, obviously, you can tell. And what ended up happening is, is um, by the time Connie got over there, my mom's mind was already starting to go. I mean, and, and to the point where my mom's mind was never, ever right from that point on. In fact, she didn't remember that day. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll tell you that later. So, ambulance comes, you know, they take my mom away. She doesn't, at this point, she doesn't even know what's going on. She doesn't, she's telling them, I don't have cancer. I, I mean, and I'm telling you, I just had a totally coherent uh, conversation with her. Totally, her mind was totally rock. Solid, fine, and she goes from that and me being able to present the salvation to okay. She, she can't even she can't even think now. She doesn't say she has cancer. She she's asking where where uh, Bob is, her husband. You know, I'm thinking, oh my word. So they take her to the emergency room that night, and 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 they they do more tests on her. And yes, it's it's um, it, she had a stroke. Um, but also it wasn't, they were thinking the cancer got to the brain. No, it wasn't that yet. She had a stroke probably because of the tachycardia, but, um, they, they did pick up the cancer, I believe, starting in the brain during the CAT scans there. So her only option at that point was, was hospice because she required 24 seven nursing. And, um, I had to, uh, sign off on her for, to, to go there. My biggest concern was that she was saved. And her friend Connie worked at hospice. And she literally had 24-hour shifts where people were staying from her the whole time she was there, just about. Um, And uh, I would take turns, and and her friends would take turns. And and, um, she had that first day, she didn't remember anything. I talked to her later. And again, when somebody has cancer like that, particularly if it's going into the brain, you'll have good days and you'll have bad days up until the time you finally pass away. Um the first week was pretty bad. She had you know, I was trying to give her nutrients in there too. I was trying, but she couldn't take them anymore. She was she I mean she couldn't even control one side of her body. It had got it it had got into her head. She she wasn't coherent. I mean it was like trying to to deal with a little little child. Um but God even gave me further confirmation. Because she had like um, a week, and and she was in the nicest hospice I've ever seen. I mean, it was a really nice hospice. We had a lot of miraculous things surrounding that, us being able to actually have her. The nurses were, they're wonderful, okay, um, that we dealt with. I had a born-again Christian named Denise, um, uh, was one of her main nurses. Oh, she's just a wonderful lady. Wonderful. Really had compassion, you could tell. And and, in... She had her friends there and, and there was a lot of I mean my mom was greatly beloved by a lot of people My mom was very much a giving person she was a very giving um, uh, good friend I mean she really was she would she would do stuff for people that I' have rarely seen anyone do for other people I and mean, she was not saved um, and I believe a little bit of it was that she felt like she was doing her good deed type of thing you know and maybe maybe in her eyes that was her way of But I really believe she liked doing that. She was a very good friend. She was a very good friend to a lot of people. A lot of people really loved my mom. And I mean that. I mean, I'm not just saying that. There was the women that turned up. My mom had a lot of really good women friends. And she had done so many things for these women over the years. And they all basically turned up to basically, I think, you know, return a lot of the love that she had shown them. And it was, it was really, it was really, um, the vast majority of them were not saved, but you know what, it it, it was, it was really touching to see that, to to see the kind of outpouring of of love that these, uh, particularly these women had for my mom. Uh, it, It was neat. And my mom had six weeks to say goodbye to her friends, and granted, the first I would say few days to five days wasn't she wasn't really there mentally, but then she improved and I thought okay I'm giving her these nutrients maybe who knows I don't know and then she had some days that were I mean it was like we could actually get stuff done like I mean there were bills that were coming in there was stuff that I had to get handled there was this there was that and and you know I'm I'm trying to 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 do all these things I'm trying to 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 um, you know, At this point, we I didn't know. I didn't know if God was going to perform a miracle. I mean, he's the God of the universe. Um, my feeling in my gut was that, no, it was going to be similar to my dad. But in this particular case, God was going to give her the time to say goodbye. And I was able to get absolute total confirmation that my mom did get saved during that time period, during her more um, coherent. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, there were some times where it was like she was totally normal. But they were few and far between. And those were the times, I asked her at least on one or two occasions, regarding specifically about, okay, Mom, do you remember anything that happened the first day? when this? all Do you remember having the stroke? Do you remember uh, the ambulance coming? Do you remember the hospital? She's like, no, I don't remember any of it. And I'm thinking, oh, great. I said, well, do you remember the prayer we prayed? She says, oh, yeah, I remember that. So the only thing she remembered from that day, she remembered nothing else but the salvation of uh, uh, me being able to have the opportunity to lead her to the Lord, and and the clear biblical presentation I laid before her and and, and her sincerity, she totally was the only thing she remembered. So again, praise the Lord Jesus Christ, and I, I think God gave that well uh, ultimately for this day, so I could say it to you, and ultimately for some peace of mind on my end, and, and ultimately I think also for her to, to reassure her of where she was going and. You know, I was trying to give her nutrients and and these types of things to try to... But, you know, I could barely get anything in her. With the stroke, and and she couldn't use one side of her body. I mean, she was basically... um, uh, She was cathed for a lot of this. They had to put a catheter in her for the urine, and and she had to have help uh, with everything, going to the bathroom, and um, uh, she couldn't go to the bathroom by herself or do anything like that. And she required really 24-7 nursing. Well um i was um I was trying to do everything I could for social security disability this and that and and going through all that and um which was an absolute nightmare but um I guess it was about six or seven weeks into it uh it was probably about six weeks she all of a sudden really took a turn for the worse. Yeah, I mean, I went in there one night, it was like the evening, and she was like trying to get out of bed. And I'm like, what are you doing, Mom? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm going out to dinner with the girls. And I'm like, oh, Lord have mercy. And, and you know, she's going to get dressed up and go out to dinner. And, and, you know, it was pitiful. Man, God bless her. But, I mean, um, you know, she said some really funny things during this time. Because, I mean, you're, you know, when you're like that, your inhibitions are kind of down. And, and she wasn't like, sometimes you hear people get real belligerent and nasty. She really wasn't like that at all. You know, my mom wasn't that type of person anyway. But um, that from that night forward, I think that was like a Friday night. She really started going downhill quick. It had really got into the brain. And then I can remember, I think it was the the, uh, two or three days before she ended up passing away. She was like in a lot of pain, and they were giving her the meds for that. And and um, She finally, I'd say the last two or three days, she was just kind of like laying on her side. And I mean, I I don't know if you've ever seen anybody in end-stage cancer, but it's not pretty. And I was right there when my dad passed on to an eternity. They unplugged him, and I made sure I was right there touching him when he died. And and, um, my mom couldn't even take it. She walked out of the room. Because the Bible says there's... The Bible says there's wisdom in the house of mourning. The word mourning, not morning like the morning, like the sun coming up, but mourning. And the and the house of um, the hearts of fools is in the house of myrrh, myrrh like being frivolity and you know. And I I like you know, almost go out of my way to put myself in those positions, you know. And I was right there when they, when they unhooked my dad from life support. I was the only one in the room when, when he ended up passing away at the end. My mom couldn't take it. Not to say I'm better. I'm just saying. I just I just wanted to do that. And I was right there. What ended up happening is it was like the last night. Well, I didn't know it was last night. You know, when they get to that stage, they really don't know. But, I mean, my mom was just skin and bones. I mean, she just looked, oh. My mom was a very beautiful woman. I mean, if, I, if you saw the picture of her the year before uh, about a year before she passed away, on her um, on her memorial service, you, I mean, my mom was really, really pretty. I mean, particularly for her, she was in her 60s. And she looked like she was in her 40s. And she was really pretty. And she's always been. And um, uh, always been very well, you know, um, um, I don't know, presented herself well from that standpoint, I guess. But anyway um uh, you you wouldn't even have recognized her i mean it, it was it was i mean it, it's a very hard thing um but uh the Lord permitted me to be in the room um I was watching her and I, she was just breathing real shallow and at that point the the doctor, the m d there told me that it's just basically the brain stem that's just it's it's keeping them alive, which is the respiratory centers. And um, I was right there when she took her, her last breath. She was laying on her, her left side uh, facing toward me. It was crazy because I when I got there it was the last um, it was, I don't know, probably about four, three or four. And um, I got there and um, remember we had shifts because nobody could be there 24-7 to watch her. And um, she was getting bad and, and I didn't know how long she had left, but when I got there, I went into the bathroom i don't know wash my hands or whatever, and as soon as I went in the bathroom, the lady that was sitting there and I forget who it was she said she started moaning like uh, you know, and my mom hadn't made it sound in like two or three days, and um I came back in the room and she stopped moaning. I went out of the room to get like some coffee or something. she started doing it again and and when I came back in, she's like every time you you walk out of the room your mom starts making all these noises and she hadn't made a noise in like two or three days. So I knew that she knew I was there and she wanted me there because she knew she was going to die. I believe that. Now I hadn't thought about that for a long time and that was what I was a little bit afraid of waiting so long to give this type of testimony. Um, But no, I remember that clearly now. and She didn't make a peep a peep once i came back in the room and i sat there the whole time until she passed away and taylor was in the room too and i was right there i had my hand on her head when she passed away and when she took her last breath and um we were praying and we were we were um i was praying when it happened that god would you know usher right up you know to heaven and in and, and and it you know that's what happened that's how it happened and i called um you know, some people and let them know my family and stuff, and, and then they they in turn called other people, and then we had a memorial service for her. Um, not too long later, and I I bawled at that too. I mean, oh, Lord of Mercy, um, but yeah, it was um, uh, it's it's been a kind of a rough year, uh, but you know, I would have much rather went through all that. And know that my parents are in heaven, than for my parents to be here right now um in, you know, with all the money in the world, which they probably would have had if they would have ever got paid on that company, and but knowing that they probably would be on their way to hell because they would have never been humbled. And they had to be stripped of everything. And it was just my it was it was God's plan. You know, and that my mom passing away was what allowed us to ultimately end up coming up to where we're at now in North Carolina, and not to say that that's the reason it happened, but, you know, everything does happen for a reason. And, um, um, anyway, that's, uh, that's what happened. The memorial service went very well. It was like I was able to say goodbye to my mom's friends and, and a lot of other people and as well before I moved up here. And it was just like everything, the doors then that opened up here were very sudden after I finally got all the loose ends tied up with my mom. You know, and there's a lot of loose ends to tie up when somebody passes away. We were still tying up loose ends for my dad. I was still trying to get rid of all my dad's stuff because he had acquired so much stuff over the years. And, you know, one of the first things I did when my mom went into hospice is I started going through and busting up all these occultic statues they had acquired over the years. Or anything, I poured out all the booze that they had They had acquired. Not to say my mom ever drank, because she didn't. But they had all this booze for parties. I dumped all that stuff out. I was getting rid of every possible thing that I could have thought might have been bringing a curse on her, or because you never know. You never know about those types of things. So I busted everything that I would have thought would have had any kind of occult significance. I got it out of the house, busted it, did whatever. Ultimately, though, she ended up passing away. But when I did bust all those things. She did turn around and she had, she had, um, she was able to say goodbye because up until the time that I did all that, she was really going downhill fast. That was that first five day period. Okay. And I don't know if I would have ever gotten the confirmation that my mom even remembered doing that. Not to say God couldn't, that she wasn't saved, but I just, I kind of wanted to get confirmation. And it, and it was nice because she was able to say goodbye to her friends. When I busted those statues and all those cursed objects, and I know they were cursed objects, and I can't even tell you how much stuff I got rid of, she had the opportunity, uh, her mind came back for a time, and she had the opportunity to say goodbye to all her friends as well. So, um, that's pretty much bringing you up to currently where we're at right now. Um, that's how it happened. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that that, um, that I left out. But I think hopefully if you've heard my teaching on my dad, and now you've heard the teaching on my mom, you can see how God works things out. And it's not always the way that we might want it to be. But God knows what it's going to take for somebody to get saved. And whether they're, they're saved through severity or whether they're saved, you know, You know, the Bible says the goodness and the severity of the Lord leadeth thee to repentance. Some people, they get saved purely through goodness. That's how I got saved. I mean, I read that book in Route to Global Occupation. When I got to time to pray the salvation prayer, I was like, man, this is a no-brainer. I mean, that's how I got saved. It wasn't like, you know, I'm white-knuckling the, the pew in front of me and I don't want to go up for the, you know, the preacher. It wasn't like that at all for me. Through my parents, though, it was at through absolute, total severity, and it literally started uh, 10 years before they were saved. God had to strip them of every single thing they had. So, you know, the important part is, is they got saved. You know, and as I sit here and I finger this little silver cross, you know, that I'll keep with me, you know, I just... I just praise the Lord because I think this is also one of the things that was undeniable for my mom. This thing falling out of the thing. And you see the miracle that happened to me tonight, tonight that I described where, where I had the screensaver. And it went like that. And then you look at all the supernatural experiences I've documented in previous things. And I mean, I'm not I'm not in some hyper-Pentecostal running around. I used to be. But I'm not anymore. I'm telling you, these are things that have happened to me. And um, I'm telling them to you to strengthen your faith and hopefully this will be a comfort to you and maybe give you, you know, some insight on, on witnessing to people and that type of thing. Not to say I'm any expert, <laughs> because you're thrown into it and you feel real helpless when you're in that situation, when you got somebody passing away or, or whatever. It's not like something I think you'd really get used to. Maybe you would if you were around it all the time, like if you worked at hospice and you saw people passing away. Um, one other little praise report, I had to sign off on my mom's hospice bill, uh, a hospice visit in order for her to go in there. And, and the, you know, I don't know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that would have been. I have no idea. Cause she was in there for like six weeks and ultimately they ended up, um, I forget exactly. I think, I think possibly, um, they took the social security what little the, the Social Security disability did cover, or or something along those lines, ended up they ended up taking that as payment, and I didn't have to, because I thought, oh my word, the last thing I need to be saddled with a hundred thousand dollar bill, you know. But ultimately, uh, that didn't happen as well. And um, my mom's doctor's bills, I tried as as much as I could to to get what little insurance she had to to compensate them and, and um, ultimately that was taken care of as well. So I praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that as well because I don't want to leave that out because uh, that in and of itself is kind of a miracle as well. So anyway, um, that's the teaching for um, today and hope hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. I'll just go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us and, and uh, that I was able to actually finally get this testimony up up on the internet lord uh, i pray you bless it lord and that you use it in any way and manner that you see fit that ultimately uh the lord jesus christ would be glorified through it and that many would be saved i, I can't ask for anything more than that and we praise you we bless your holy name in the name of the lord jesus christ we pray amen